Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. Today, we're joined by Beatrice Adenodi, founder of Mirror Inc., and she's going to talk to us about mindless behaviours. And I will say that before we started the recording, Juliana and I were actually talking about some mindless behaviours that we have experienced just very recently. And for me, I'm going to talk during the time that we're with Beatrice about an issue that I have ongoing and see if I can get some extra hints into how to deal with it. But for the time being, let's introduce Beatrice and let her tell us about Mirror Inc. and about mindless behaviours and how she came to this point in her career. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you? Good. So Beatrice, the mindless behaviours, first of all, and then we'll go on to Mirror Inc. Are we, do you think, seeing it more often or more clearly because we're a bit more aware of people's behavior in the workplace? Mindless behaviors, I feel like it's really, is very apparent in the workplace. And I, there is, it's really often there because I, I'm not going to say that we were improperly taught in a way, but we were conditioned to be one way, right? And I feel like us being in boxes prohibit us from really like thriving in the workplace so imagine having all these different personalities coming to work together most of them have drama at home and they're coming in the workplace and they bring in their whole baggage with uh, with them so a lot of the mindlessness basically bleed through the through the workplace based on even personal account that we even deal with so do you think that it's become more prevalent in the last couple of years when we've had to deal with outside issues over which we've got no control. So the pandemic meant that we were working differently. We were working in different places. That situation where they've got behaviours that are fed by some other influence over which they might have some control, added to that the, the situation now where we've got no control, is that leading to more or, or reinforcing the mindless behaviour? I feel like the mindless behaviors in the last two years, we have started to become aware of them. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we have them for hundreds. I can't even say hundreds of years, even studying a lot of like the old texts and the literature and history. And even till now, I feel like the last two years we finally stopped and we started to discover how we, number one, are all connected. But number two, where is our lives going? It seems like we were constantly on autopilot. We got to run here. We got to run there. We got to get this meeting and go to this meeting. We got to go there meeting. And sometimes people sit in things for years and don't even know, like, they. when you actually step back and they wake up one morning, they're like, what am I really doing? Mm. So these last two years was a wake-up call. And now it started, we're starting to unravel. Is that because we had to, we were forced to isolate and therefore forced to reflect a bit? Yeah, we went in and we had to sit with our thoughts. Mm. And the thing that we were not trained to do is to sit with our thoughts. We were trained to do everything else but to sit. Yes. And I feel like when you start to step back and start to really become the observer, you start to realize like, whoa, I cannot believe we were even living like this. Mm. We recently spoke to a fellow in Singapore, Nick Johnson, who talked about loneliness in the executive ranks and his own personal journey 
through that. Mm-hmm. Is there a risk when when we do that, when we sit and stop and let the thoughts come in, that mm-hmm. we're going to go down the wrong path, for want of a better term? We're going to internalise too much? I think that sitting with our thoughts, with questioning, and start to question the reason why things are, it's not necessarily paralyzing I feel like it's actually liberating okay. because mm-hmm. in some ways, actually the opposite, because in some way we were taught to like step A, do this, step B, do this, step C, do this, step D. So like we all have all these steps, but none of these steps correlated to each other. And so now we started, we have these dis- disoriented distortion of our own reality. So I think our thoughts, how we think of things sometimes gives us clarity, especially if we're asking the right questions. And so the book that you've written, did that come from you recognizing it or you observing? Both recognizing it, but at the same time and within myself, but at the same time, even becoming an observer and realizing there is a pattern as well. So these mindless behaviors didn't come out of nowhere. It's something that was passed down from to us. Is something that we picked up along the way. There's even something that through some of the societal ways of being is something that we adapted because mm. we think it's quote unquote normal. Okay. So the first question we sent you was, <laughs> now that we've got done to the first question, <laughs> <laughs> how do we recognize the mindless behavior and the mindless behavior patterns? So I know this is going to be, it might be cliche, but it might not be. We, we do recognize this when we're in a constant state of chaos. Okay. So like, let's think of something that's giving you a trouble and you're like really trouble in your life. That is not trouble, challenging, right? Mm-hmm. And to recognize it is almost like, well, ask that question. Why is this pattern? Why, what am I not seeing mm-hmm. on the reason why this is reoccurring? Or why is this a challenge, right? How you how you basically discover the pattern is, okay, so this situation happened, but this situation happened before in a different way. So what pattern and behavior pattern within me is causing this challenge to happen to me? And so if we're seeing that, because this is very close to home at the moment, if we're seeing that in someone that works for us or we, or a colleague that we have we have to work with in some fashion, how do we manage it? How do we manage it? If it's within a profession, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you start to shift the way you view the profession or shift the way you do things. You know, sometimes like, you know, rules are there, but at the same time, they didn't say, they just give you these list of rules. Didn't mean that you cannot navigate within the rules. There are always loopholes. So So looking at oneself, if I've noticed that I'm... creating a situation, repeating itself, thus the pattern, then I'll stop and think about why, what am I doing and how can I change that to change the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Um, So, but the answers are not always very straightforward because it's ingrained in us. So what tips do you have to start questioning ourselves in that situation? You see, the thing is, I always say that we need to break the cycle of reactivity. Most people are, when you're irritated and when you're frustrated about something, you ask yourself, why? Why am I frustrated with this situation? What am I not seeing that is basically 
put on bringing this forward. And then like you asked a third question is, and also with the behavior, that's a two, two layers, the internal, external. And then you say, okay, once you discover that, because once you start asking your quest, these questions, it's going to reveal itself to you. Yeah. You're starting to like, the Pandora box will open. Yeah. Because you're, you, once you start asking those questions, you're starting to look, you're starting to start the process of reflecting. And you're starting to look at your situation from a different perspective. Within every problem, the solution exists in the middle mm-hmm. of it. So it's, it's easier to basically lean into what the challenges are so you can even get to that solution. Because most of the time it's figuring out and understanding what those that challenge is. 5% is the solution because mm. you easily fix it once you figure <laughs> out and understand what, what the is. problem is. In that sense, is it going to be easier for some people to talk to someone else about to talk through the issue rather than do the self-talk of, of what it is? I'm going to say this like this. Okay. It's great to talk through problems with people. The challenge, this is the battlefield that we're in. Nobody wants to be told what to do. So like, it's funny. You can think about if you the times that you use your friend as a sounding board, then your friend offer you advice and you're like, don't tell me what to do. Like, yeah. you're like... <laughs> It has that feeling. So like you're not listening to it because there is some level of if you tell me what to do, they infuse in their beliefs on me, which that is not the case. It's just it's offering friendly advice. Or they're looking at it from a different perspective. You know, sometimes they can see through the mist. They can see through the mindless behavior that you've got to say, you know, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to start doing this. I'm going to tell you one thing. It's challenging for human beings to look at it from a different perspective if you always think you're right. Yes. <laughs> Aren't we? Everybody has a stance on something and they mm. believe it wholeheartedly to a degree that nothing else matters. Doesn't yeah. matter who tells you something, even if you come bring it to them, it's mm. just almost like there's just tunnel vision, right? Mm. But that's mm. how we were conditioned in school. If you think about the teacher, you start asking the teacher a few questions. After a while, if the teacher don't even know the answer, the teacher's like, because I told you so. Go sit down. Mm. What happens with that is that we stop creativity and imagination mm. if we don't lean into it. If you don't know the answer, just say, you know what? I don't know the answer. Let's discover it together, right? Yeah. But the adults, quote unquote leaders, won't let that allow that experience to happen because we're supposed to automatically know everything when we know nothing at the same time so part of it is allowing yourself to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. whether whether you're doing it for yourself or actually listening to someone else so how then do we recognize the pattern is it what you've talked about previously that we look at the recurring things or do we go back further and say well i've always done it this way so how far back do we have to go to recognize a pattern. We don't need to have to go that far back. Okay. Some of the patterns are within our daily um, routine. Yeah. So one thing that I know that a lot of people I know or friends I know too, they will pick up the phone and text you. This is an example, a really mm-hmm. good example. Mm-hmm. They don't say, hey, how are you doing? They're asking you about a request. The reason why I brought this up is because a lot of people say, suicide a lot of people go into these depressions a lot of people feel alone right Mm. 
but we dismiss people's condition on a regular basis. We don't say, hey, how are you doing? We say, hey, how are you, can you, how are you doing? Can you do me a favor? Worse, we say, I don't want to interrupt you, but I just want yes. you to do this. Yes. Yeah. So where did those habits come from? So these are societal habits, mm. right? Mm. To abandon some, to not even regard somebody's condition. That's already a level of disrespect, right? Mm-hmm. And if we mirror who we are, that's a big problem. Because everything, what we feel inside, what we choose to ignore is what we see outside in the world today. That's what 2020 brought us. Those ugly mirrors that we choose to not see. Now we've seen them. We cannot unsee them. So what's the path forward then? The path forward is to understand why the mirrors are smoky. And once you understand it, I would say interstand, internalizing what you understand. Okay. Then that's where change really happens. Because change is not going to happen in these circles. It's going to start with us. And it's going to be hard. That is the biggest challenge. You see, the thing is, everybody want to tear down the system when the system is not working. Mm. But the problem is, we are participants of the system that is broken. So now if you break down, if you tear down and rip this system apart and didn't understand why the system was broken in the first place, we're going to make us, we're going to build a system in the mirror of it and basically make the same mistakes that we hated that mm-hmm. brought the system, previous system to its knees. So it's kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. So you're saying that because we are part of the system, what we should be looking at is what am I doing to contribute to this current system that's not working? And what can I change within me as in practice behavior approach or whatever it is to make it better? Is it sort of taking responsibility as an individual? We have to take accountability because it's all our fault. It's our fault that we have reacted to the behaviors. It's our fault that the behaviors have perpetuated the way it is. And it's our fault that we enabled this bad behavior to wreak havoc in our lives. So once we start to take that accountability, which I talk about in my book, that it's like the victim and the victor, the blame versus the accountability, right? And I I don't want to go too much into politics, but we have a lot of like politicians that like to play the game, belly blame game. Like this, this person did that one, that person did this, and they all like this, right? Nobody comes up and said, I apologize. It is all our responsibility. We need to clean it up and we need to understand why this happened and how we can move forward in a strategic way that would bring us to another level of life, another level of living. Which goes back to what you said earlier about we are conditioned to think that way because that is exactly what we're taught at school is get it right or you're out, basically. And you don't have to take responsibility for anything. It's always someone else's fault. We have a saying here in this household that, you know, they've got the blame thrower out. It's time to take a break in our discussion with Beatrice Adenodi. Join us for part two next time. For now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Mm-hmm.